Welcome to a joint production of Boilers Extra and the Mind Your Banners podcast. I am Nathan Baird from the Journal and Courier. I cover Purdue basketball. I am joined by the esteemed Zach Osterman. He covers Indiana basketball for the Indy Star. How's it going, Zach? It's going well. How about you? Oh, it's it's not so bad. It's nice to have a, a road trip that doesn't involve me getting on a plane. So I'll be heading down to Bloomington on Tuesday afternoon to, to hang out with you and, and watch the second installment of this series um, this season. And obviously, two teams that are going in opposite directions. They're kind of already headed that way the first time they played. Um, but I thought we, we could maybe start by just kind of refreshing people on, on what's happened with these teams this season, uh, though they probably already know. But I was looking back at, a, at something that was written earlier this year where a coach said, I like our guys. I think we've got good guys. I don't like our fight right now. And I thought that was interesting because it's something you could probably hear Archie Miller saying right now or any time over the last, well, since January. But that's actually what Matt Painter said the first time these two teams are in the same building at, at Bankers Life Fieldhouse um, when, when Notre Dame beat Purdue in the Crossroads Classic and they were 6-5 and five and it looked like they were going to be the team, you know, if you flashed ahead two months, that might be struggling to keep itself in any kind of NCAA tournament conversation. And and now they've taken off. They're they're challenging to be you know a, a Big Ten champion. And, and Notre Dame or I'm sorry, Indiana is really floundering. Um, did you see signs back in at that time of year, December, mid December, that we could be where we are in terms of Indiana basketball? Well, certainly not here. Um, you know, and you think back to to where Indiana was. You, you kind of described Purdue's situation there. Indiana beats Butler. They're nine and two. Um, that is the fourth of four games that Indiana played, two against Big Ten competition, and then Louisville at home and Butler uh, at Banker's Life. All in a row after the Duke game, Indiana won all four, I think by a combined eight points. And you certainly felt like Indi- you would have backed Indiana to go on to win the next three games, which they did to get to 12-2, and two, uh, heading into the Michigan game on January 6th. And, you know, I... I I thought that this Indiana team would wind up being a good team by the end of the season. I thought it was young. I thought it was had the potential to be really versatile, especially in the front court. Uh, at that point, Indiana was battling uh, injury problems that would kind of only continue to deepen as the season wore on. So I don't want to say that necessarily at 9-2 and two or even at 12-2, and two, I thought Indiana – um, was kind of a little bit of a in a little bit of a false position, but I thought Indiana was doing really well to persevere with injuries that just didn't seem to be um, going away. And there was always kind of a part of me that wondered if that was going to catch up to Indiana at some point. That Michigan game on January sixth being a, a perfect example. Indiana had five players out for that game, um, including I think at least two players who likely would have started, maybe even three, just depending on if they'd been healthy all year, how rotations would have looked different. Um, So there was always a part of me that kind of wondered, when you looked back at some of the non-conference games, Romeo Langford playing 38 minutes, you know, Juwan Morgan playing 40 minutes, Al Durham, Rob Finnessy playing 35 minutes plus, and, and not against good teams, even against, you know, some of the guarantee teams they were playing. Wondered if some of that would catch up to Indiana, but I never would have, I never would have predicted that it would be, you know, go from 12 and 2 to losing 10 of 11 and, and basically um, just losing complete control uh, of a season that, that obviously once was quite promising for IU. 
So really, on paper, both of these teams should have been peaking later in the season. Again, all things being equal, not factoring any injuries for IU. But at the beginning of the season, you would have seen both of these teams, I think. Instead, Purdue and IU should probably both be better in February than they are in November. And for Purdue, that has happened. For Purdue, they eventually got, you know, uh, Trevon Williams eventually worked himself into shape and established himself, and now he became something they didn't have before. And you're starting to see people like, you know, Aaron Wheeler and Sasha Stefanovic and Eric Hunter just raise their level of play and, you know, raise the floor a little bit when Purdue has to go to the bench. You're starting to see less drop-offs there. You're starting to see other players refine their games even more. And that, that was just sort of a slow process. So when Purdue was 6-5, and five, it, it still made sense to have some optimism that those things would start to head in the right direction. What what do you feel like didn't happen for IU? I don't know that the injuries explain it all. When you're 12-2 and two and, and you have even endured some injuries at that point, what it, was it a depth that didn't really develop for them? Is it star power that isn't really coming through? Can, can you uh, – any, any more of a grasp on what hasn't happened here in the second half of this season? I think it was probably a meeting of the the injury problems and just kind of everything that they created. And um, it, it kind of, kind of, I guess you'd say coming to a, it sort of hitting a crescendo right at the most difficult portion of Indiana's schedule. Between January 6th and February 2nd, Indiana played Michigan twice, went to Maryland, played uh, Purdue at Purdue, played Michigan State at Michigan State, obviously won that game, but six of those eight games were on the road. Um, that was probably kind of the worst time for Indiana to, to, to have to be dealing with significant injury issues. And, and you look at kind of the way that they hit Indiana. I mean, Indiana got zero bench points in the loss at Michigan. They got two bench points in a three-point loss at Maryland. Um, they, I mean, they didn't really, really get anything from anybody against Nebraska, but I think they got something like uh, eight bench points in that game. Depth basically just sort of cratered. And, and if you look back at, at that um, that stretch in particular, Deron Davis only played 15 minutes across all of January because he gets his ankle stepped on uh, sometime in the second half of the Illinois game. That's the point at which it becomes clear that there's really no – path for Jerome Hunter to come back this season. Um, that's the point at which it becomes clear just how serious Ray Thompson's concussion is. Rob Finnessy, I think, comes back for the Maryland game, um, starts or doesn't start but plays 27 minutes in the Nebraska game. That's probably more than he's ready for, but he has to do it because um, Al Durham only plays six minutes before he gets kicked in the leg and, and misses the rest of the game with, with some kind of muscle problem. And so it's just it's it all kind of stacked up at once, and then um, I think what's probably fair to say, and I think I wrote this after the Rutgers game, which uh, was three losses and a win ago, mm-hmm. um, without being flippant. Indiana got dealt a really bad hand this year, and it was forced to play that hand at probably the worst time of the season. Again, that that seven game losing streak in particular, although I think we've probably seen the Hoosiers hit a new low with their loss over the weekend against Minnesota. They also played that hand really poorly. You didn't see um, you didn't see guys step up the way you would have hoped. I think Indiana still struggled to use Romeo Langford in a really um, you know, sort of consistent way. Sorry, I'm letting my dogs out as we talk. Um, I think that I think that there were probably times when Romeo Langford didn't 
really rise to the challenge the way that Indiana would have hoped. Point guard play has been inconsistent because of injuries and suspensions. That's also the stretch where Devontae Green um, is suspended for three games uh, for undisclosed reasons, you know, violation of team rules kind of stuff. Right. And and so it's just it, – it, it's just sort of felt like throwing gasoline, you know, like every time you thought, well, maybe Indiana will find the, the bottom here. Maybe – Maybe this is a game for Indiana to turn around. You know, at Northwestern, uh, Indiana lets Aaron Falzone hit a couple of really deep threes, and all of a sudden Aaron Falzone finds his range and scores 21 points. And I don't think he's scored 21 points in all of Northwestern's other games combined this season. And it's not like it's been bad luck for Indiana because you stack these things up and you say, well, there's too many things that are happening too often for it to just be you have terrible luck. The Minnesota game – Minnesota's the worst three-point shooting team in the Big Ten. They hit 12 threes against Indiana. It's you know it's sort of similar to that Northwestern game, but um, but I think that it's just kind of it's almost sort of a season where everything that could have gone wrong for Indiana has, and so whatever fears or concerns probably is a better word you would have expressed about this this roster in the preseason. It's young, um, you know. It's it's it really needs certain things to work. It needs consistent point guard play you know, from a point guard group that, that isn't consistent yet, or at least hasn't proven it consistently yet, it needs its young big men to really be versatile and provide some depth, not just in terms of bodies, but also in terms of options. Um, you know, it, it needs Romeo Langford and Juwan Morgan to be clicking pretty much all the time. It just, you know, you, you kind of keep pulling trap doors out and all of a sudden Indiana's, you know, in the sub basement um, and just too young, too inexperienced and, and probably at this point too fractured to pull itself back together, which is something that, you know, when you talk about, I mean, I, I watched a fair bit of Purdue in the, in the preseason um, and the dogs want to come back inside. Um, oh, it's because it's snowing. Thanks dog. Yes. Yeah. Um, when you watched, I watched a fair bit of Purdue in the non-conference. The one thing you didn't feel like you saw was a team that yes, was young, but was breaking up um, or, or was sort of, struggling to grapple with that adversity. You feel like the, the effort was consistent. The results just weren't there yet. And I think that, that it's kind of gone in the other direction for IU. Well, yeah, and I think there's something to be said for what Matt Painter has put together here at Purdue this season and the way that it has sort of gelled together. And, again, I don't know that that was an easy proposition. You've got a guy in Carson Edwards who commands a, a big portion of this offense, and there's nights where that's – um, a phenomenon to watch, and there's nights where it's sort of painful to watch, um, and then sometimes they lose the former and, and win the latter. And I, I've always wondered, you know, th- that dynamic can be a difficult thing for a team to handle if there are some other guys who see themselves in sort of a, a similar realm. But what I think Purdue has going for it is that it, it really is a team that is sort of bought into all of these little roles. And that, that says a lot about where they are. You know, there's a lot of teams that, um, you know, and even the Purdue fan base criticizes, or at least was at one point criticizing Painter for how many minutes he was giving to someone like Grady Eifert. But to, to see the kind of, um, you know, adhesive properties that he has on this team at both ends of the floor, um, it, it's, it's a, a pretty clear X factor in what they've been able to do this season. You know, there's so many things that Nojal Eastern allegedly can't do on a basketball, well, sometimes just demonstrably can't do on a basketball court, but so many things he can do, and they've, they've really emphasized those things. 
um, you know, finding finding opportunities for Ryan Klein, even though you've got another really high volume shooter on the team who who sometimes has a very shoot first mentality. But uh, you know, they they've they've found ways to to get the most out of Klein. Um, it, it's interesting to watch how these two teams have come together. And I know that for Miller and for IU, it, it's a different situation because you know Matt Painter has what is it now, 14, 15 seasons, he's been building towards not just specifically this class, but it's part of a, a continuation. Whereas for Miller, you're still early in the process of turning this around. Um, but I, I, it, it is interesting to me that just sort of the um, – there are intangible qualities that Purdue seems to have that I'm not sure you're seeing in Indiana right now. No, I, I think that's definitely true. Um, and And I think – you know, comparing rosters can always be a tricky thing, but like I think right. Purdue and Indiana are in somewhat similar positions. Um, the only maybe major difference is, is the injuries. And, you know, for example, I mean, there's an, uh, we saw seven minutes of race Thompson at Minnesota. He grabbed five rebounds and had two blocks makes you kind of think that he would have had a real role to play if he'd been healthy this whole season. Jerome Hunter, if you'd kind of talk to you know, people who were allowed behind the scenes a little bit more, NBA people, people like that. They said that Jerome Hunter legitimately looked like IU's third best player through a lot of the preseason. He hasn't played a minute. But I think there's more kind of kind of this, I don't know, you know, sports writers, I think we can fall into these traps of using intangibles words a lot, culture, system, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But, like, I mean, how long has Matt Painter been at Purdue? 13 years, 12, 13 years? Yeah, yeah 14, 15, um, I think now. Yeah. It, it, it's undoubted that he does have a culture. You know, like there is there is something Matt Painter can point to and say, this is what my Purdue teams do. You know, this is how my Purdue teams play. And, you know, obviously I'm going to tweak that to fit the strengths of each team individually, but there's also some some basic things that, for example, Ryan Klein is a senior, um, and I'm I'm looking at just his Ken Palm profile right now, who has played, by my count, 102, 127 games for Purdue leading into Tuesday night. He's just going to be able to say, like he's going to wake up in the morning and that stuff's just going to be instinctive to him. It's clear that that, that process is not happening at the level or at the rate that Archie Miller or anyone around Indiana basketball will have hoped, um, you know, for, for Archie. And I think what's, what's surprising as much as anything else is that this all kind of went in reverse last season for Indiana, and nobody really expected anything of Indiana last season. And then they start the season 7-5 and five in the non-conference. They get blown out by Fort Wayne and Indiana State at home, um, you know, just a couple of really embarrassing losses, and everybody thought, okay, you know, this is going to be a, a pretty serious rebuild. And at the time, we were all saying, you know, this was an 18-win team that Archie Miller inherited that lost in the first round of the NIT and then immediately sent three of its best players to the NBA. So, yeah, this does feel kind of like a rebuild. Then Indiana actually kind of got itself together in Big Ten play, finished 9-9, nine and nine, lost in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, or at least its first game in the Big Ten tournament to Rutgers, but clearly was playing better basketball you know, January, February onward than it had been in November and December. Um, and then they start this season 12-2, and two, and I sort of reject this idea that, that 
the majority of Indiana's fans, certainly the reasonable ones, saw like Romeo Langford as this quote-unquote savior. I've seen that word thrown around a lot in the last few weeks, that Indiana fans were unrealistic for seeing Romeo as a savior. I don't think they saw Romeo that way. I think that the reasonable ones knew Romeo Langford was a one-and-done player and that this roster had a lot of other flaws and that this was still year two under Archie Miller. Uh, but he was a nice bridge to the future and, and a nice sort of signal to other elite recruits that, hey, it's, it's you know, Indiana's the kind of place you should consider going forward. It's that Indiana then starts the season 12-2 and two, that I think that's when the expectations right. come. And look, at some level, you know, we all probably should have appreciated a little bit more that the um, – the foundations of that start were not sturdy because of the injuries and because of the attendant issues with depth for a very young team. Um, but I also think that it's clear that, and, and this is down to Archie Miller. Um, it's also probably just down to the timing of things, but I think that this is something Archie Miller's kind of got to account for um, in whatever the ultimate reckoning of this season is. Um, I I think that, one of the things that feels like a big difference is I don't feel like Indiana's players have looked comfortable just kind of trying to pivot back to whatever they would consider, you know, Archie's basics, I guess you'd say, in the way that if, if Purdue is struggling, I'm guessing there are just some basic things that Matt Painter can say, listen, this is what we do. You know, I, I know that the shots are falling right now or – you know, we're on the road and the crowd's up or whatever, but, like, this is what we do. And Ryan Klein can say, I've been doing this for four years, guys. Just just trust me, we're going to be fine. You know, and Carson Edwards can say, I've been doing this for three years. Trust me, we're going to be fine. Indiana clearly does not have that. And, okay, it's only year two, and it's probably unrealistic to expect that, that all of that is installed by now and that it's just intrinsic to the program and, and – Again, maybe that 12-2 and two start papered over some cracks, but I think that's also something that Archie really does have to account for in the very immediate future, the end of this season and moving into next one, is how does he get that, that sort of just basic foundational culture installed that there are certain things that Indiana just pivots back to no matter how hard it gets, no matter what's going wrong, that it can just sort of say, like, this is our Alamo, we can always make a stand from here. Yeah, and, and for Purdue, I think it has been it's been defense and it's been perimeter shooting. I mean, that's what it's been now, especially the defensive part of it for a long time. And perimeter shooting has been a more rel- relatively more recent um, commitment from Painter in, in terms of recruiting. But that's been you know every year he wants to go out and get who he thinks is if not the best shooter in the state or the Midwest, then then one of the best. You know, and and Brian Klein was a guy that he went and got out of Carmel and said he was the best that he'd ever recruited as a shooter at that point, and uh, you're starting to see that you know pay off here late in his career. Um, and and that is something you know the the former has been there all along. It was just a matter of some of these younger guys getting more comfortable on the offense. Um, I'm sorry, the latter of those two things, the three point shooting, the former, the defense was something that had to come along this year. And when that wasn't there early this year. When that you know, when they weren't as 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 solid defensively, that was going to leave some gaps that, that they couldn't make up for on the days that the three point shooting struggled. And I think that's you know it's interesting you talk about kind of the perspectives changing because of how the season started. Because really, yeah, Purdue was six and five. They were losing close games to really good teams on the road. And I think that maybe there was some overreaction even from myself or other people. I don't know 
But in retrospect, you look back and you see, oh, that was a team that was close but just wasn't quite there, was was coming down on the wrong side of a really tough schedule. Um, if they had won even one or two more of those games, I don't know if we would be looking at Purdue as having, quote-unquote, turned its season around in quite the same way. But um, I think it's 12 out of 14 that Purdue has won. It's 10 out of 11 that Indiana has lost. Right in the middle of that was the first meeting in Mackey Arena. Um, I, just real quickly, because I know we're, we're running short on time, but um, how different is Indiana's roster uh, from, a, from an injury standpoint? Do you remember from going back to that game, who will they have maybe that they didn't have? or at least at closer to full strength than they did at the first meeting um, back in January? Let me just look at the box score here. Um, I mean, Zach McRoberts is out. Uh, he played uh, – he started that game. He played 29 minutes. Um, you know, he missed four threes, but he did have seven rebounds. Um, he's basically been out. He's been battling a back problem the entire season, and he at that point he was basically just sort of playing through it. I think my understanding was kind of that he just said, listen, this is my last season of college basketball. I just want to try and and just do what I can, you know. Um, he's now also got a stress fracture in his foot, so it's he, he's kind of been symbolic in a way of, of just the, the bad luck Indiana's had with injuries all year. Um, he is is out, and there is kind of no timetable for his return. Uh, Rob Finnessy played 24 minutes in that game. He's he has um, gotten back to at least sort of full conditioning, but and I'm pulling this straight out of uh, our colleague Greg Doyle's column. But um, he's only averaging 5.1 points and 1.6 assists in his last 11 games. I think it's fair to say he has not been the same since coming back from the concussion that he sustained around Christmas. Um, you'll probably see. Al Durham start. He didn't start that game. Um, Archie Miller did kind of promise some um, pretty significant. Well, he said that they need to make drastic changes, and he kind of hinted at the idea that that may mean something with the lineup. But you know, we just won't know until Tuesday night. Deron Davis played three minutes in that game. He is back to something much closer to his best. Um, he's actually been kind of one of the few bright spots for Indiana in the last couple of weeks. And uh, Race Thompson played seven minutes against Minnesota. That was his first action since Montana State, the second game of the season. So um, I think he'll probably, you know, barring some weird setback with him, he had just like apparently a crazy severe concussion, um, had to basically miss classes for a couple of weeks, couldn't, couldn't, uh, I think he told Don Fisher like he couldn't read very well, like he couldn't focus enough to read, things like that. Um, but assuming there's no setback with him out of the Minnesota game, I would imagine he'll be available for a few more minutes. Um, and again, he had a, he actually was maybe the one, the, the, the lone positive from Minnesota played seven minutes, scored two points, had five rebounds and a couple of blocks looked like a very competent player, admittedly in mop up minutes after Minnesota had, you know, was kind of over the hill and far away. Um, so Indiana will be healthier for this game. Um, there's no question about that, but, you know, you look back at that that Purdue game, which Indiana, which was incredibly lackluster for Indiana to begin with. Um, there are still a couple of you know glaring absences. Zach McRoberts was this was last season this team's best on ball defender. He really hasn't been healthy at all this year. And Rob Finnessy, I think that Purdue game was you know maybe Indiana hoped would be a little bit of kind of a a restart for him going back home, finally getting fresh off the concussion and all that. Um, you know, starting whether he was quite ready or not, I don't know that he's ever really found the November, December groove that he had before that concussion. Gotcha. 
Well, I know you're a popular guy. You've got to get off to another interview. But thanks for joining us today. And I will see you. And maybe our readers or listeners will hear from us uh, after Tuesday's game in Bloomington. Absolutely. Well, I hope they don't listen to me. It's not really worth it. But, you know, <laughs> I hope they listen to you. All right. Thanks a lot, Zach. And thanks, everyone, for joining